Today, an opportunity is offered for the British nation to take its proper stand to protect a minority that deserves well of all the nations of the world. I feel that by doing things that are morally right, we shall achieve something which is worthy of the name of the British nation. These are the words of Sir Samuel Hoare, the Home Secretary of the United Kingdom, describing a rescue effort launched by the British government in the days ahead of World War II. The program was called Kinder Transport, and it was launched as an organized rescue of children, mostly Jewish, out of the countries of Germany, Austria, Czechoslovakia, and Poland. It began on the 15th of November, 1938, five days after Kristallnacht, the night of broken glass, when the German SA and SS attacked, ransacked, and demolished Jewish homes, stores, buildings, synagogues. After Kristallnacht, it became clear that it was no longer a safe place for Jewish minorities, especially children. Kinder transport was the moral response to an immoral world. Kinder transport would continue for the next nine months until the start of World War II brought the program to an end. During that nine-month time period, about 10,000 children would be brought into British territories for safety. I'm Scott Beyer, and this is the Love Better podcast where we explore the truths and the lies about love, and more importantly, how to turn love into a skill, something we can get better at and hone along the way. Happy 4th of July, and in memorial of all things great that have come out of Britain, we remember both America and today, Kinder Transport. Today we're going to talk about strange love, the kind of love that makes no sense because it is love shown to a stranger. And your world is full of strangers. Here are a few examples. The visitor that walks into the church building all alone looking to make a connection or the elderly individual facing social isolation and loneliness. The person with disabilities that create physical, social, or emotional barriers for them through no fault of their own. The person at work, school, or church that comes from a different cultural background than you do. Or just the new neighbor across the street that just moved in. Your world is packed with opportunities to practice the love of strangers. And there are few better examples in modern history of strange love than the Kinder Transport Rescue effort. Eventually, I want to get back to that story. But before we do, we need to travel from the Jewish refugees fleeing toward the United Kingdom of 1938 and go back to the rise of Israel and creation of the Jewish nation by God as it marched into the land of Israel. We need to take a journey to Leviticus 19. Leviticus is an interesting book because it sits on the precipice of two worlds, the world of citizen and the world of slave. Leviticus is written during the last few months before Israel leaves Mount Sinai to head for the promised land. It's written to a group of people that knows exactly what it's like to be oppressed, but has no idea what it means to be masters or how to run their own country. They've known slavery, but never freedom. This generation is about to walk into prosperity and power and freedom and leave behind a very dark history of Egyptian loss and tyranny. They have lived as Egyptian slaves. But now they're left with the question of what should it look like to be Jewish citizens? Leviticus, amongst other things, is meant to help them understand that. 
What does it look like to be a good neighbor, a kind landlord, a moral citizen, a righteous nation? Leviticus talks about all of those things, and in the midst of a conversation about property rights, national welfare systems, and how to treat those with medical conditions like blindness, deafness, leprosy, Leviticus answers the question of how to treat the stranger. In Leviticus 19, 33, and 34, it says, When a stranger resides with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. The stranger who resides with you shall be to you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am Jehovah, your God. When Israel became a nation, God made it clear they must do more than just treat strangers fairly. You must love strangers. And this stranger love is repeated multiple times throughout Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Exodus, And it becomes one of the primary focuses of God's condemnation later on for the nation. The prophets who would come to condemn Israel for their sinfulness will continually repeat, you oppressed the stranger and the foreigner when you should have loved them. Yet loving people you don't know or don't look, act, or speak like, well, it isn't common. Loving strangers is strange. We all know it. And Jesus addressed it. Because of the rarity of this type of love, he says in Matthew 5, 43 through 48, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you, so they may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore, you are to be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus defines love of strangers, love of those who are not your brothers or familiar friends, as a perfect kind of love. And that sounds exactly like the type of thing worth pursuing if we wish to love better. We have every incentive to love those we know, those who we are familiar with. Those relationships of love are already established, and reciprocity is virtually guaranteed. We know our family, we know our friends, and we have a shared story with them. Think about it. When you arrive at a large party, what do you typically do? You look around for familiar faces to converse with. Familiarity is the opposite of strange. Familiar friends are the ones we already have a close association with. They know our voices. We don't anticipate surprises in our conversations with them. And the fear of awkward pauses is significantly lower. Compare that to the feeling you have when entering strange territory. Your first day at a new school or a new job. Or if you've ever relocated to a new city. Those with experience in the military are intimately aware of the difficulties of strange territory. A new tour means a new city, a new job, and new schools, and all at once for everyone. Everything is unfamiliar, from where to buy your groceries to where to get a haircut. Everything's new and strange. Which brings us back to the 10,000 children of the kinder transport. These children, they got on trains with numbers hung around their necks, and headed to British homes all across the United Kingdom. 
Families and individuals all over the countryside offer to house these children from infants up to age 17, sight unseen. There are hundreds of records from these children and the journeys they took as foreigners to a foreign land. But for me, one account in particular I find haunting. One child explaining the events of the kinder transport started with the four-word sentence, We all came alone. And this is the truth about the life of the stranger. To be a stranger is to feel alone. It is difficult to imagine welcoming a child into your home sight unseen. You have no idea what their disposition will be or even if they will command the language. Will they be helpful and grateful for your generosity or angry and resentful that they've been ripped from their home? How will their entrance into your life affect you, your existing children, or your lifestyle? Times are tight. War is imminent. What will another mouth to feed do to a household already precariously balanced in times of scarcity? Yet, as true as all of those emotions and concerns are, the British families of kinder transport volunteered to house these children anyways. Why? I suspect... I suspect it's because of those four words. We all came alone. As hard as opening your home to a stranger is, it is far harder to be that stranger yourself. And this is an idea reiterated in God's Old Testament laws regarding strangers. Exodus 23.9 says, You shall not oppress a stranger, since you yourselves know the feelings of a stranger, for you also were strangers in the land of Egypt. Learning to love strangers requires us to remember how it feels to be a stranger. And most of us have some experience there we can tap into. When we begin to think like strangers and have compassion on the journey of the stranger, we begin to love from a position of empathy instead of convenience. Which is why strange love is so strange, because convenience is, by definition, that which makes things easier. And empathy, on the other hand, it requires us to overcome the tendency to only see things from our own perspective, overcome our biases or the emotional barriers of discomfort and awkwardness, and frankly, the emotional exhaustion that compassion requires. Anyone who works in the medical field will tell you that compassion fatigue, it's a very real thing. And frankly, it's probably worth an entire podcast episode of its own. Learning to love strangers is a challenging thing to achieve because it requires developing and cultivating empathy through practice and force of will instead of embracing easy convenience. But I will say this, learning to love the stranger also comes with a guarantee of unseen blessings from God. That promise is found in the book of Hebrews chapter 13. Let love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them and those who are ill-treated since you yourselves also are in the body. Hebrews makes a point of reminding us that when we show kindness to strangers, oftentimes we're the ones who end up with the blessing. Throughout the Old Testament, there are examples of people stopping, inviting people in for a meal and a warm, dry place to sleep, only to ultimately find out that those strangers were actually sent by God to be a blessing to them. The lesson is clear. Show love to strangers, and it isn't just the strangers that benefit. 
you do too. And that, by the way, is the rest of the story of the Kinder Transport system. Kinder Transport was a humanitarian program started by the British to help children from other countries. And they did. They helped 10,000 kids who ended up becoming poets and doctors and newscasters and mathematicians and writers and immunologists and hosts of other blessings to the entire world. But that isn't the only way the Kinder Transport System blessed the United Kingdom. On the 1st of December, 1939, Operation Kinder Transport ended because the war broke out. But the 1st of September, 1939, is also the day that Operation Pied Piper began. When the war began, the British realized that due to a new German war strategy called aerial bombings, cities were no longer a safe place for children. British children needed to be moved out of the cities and into the countries. Because of the Kinder Transport Program, the people of the United Kingdom already knew how to do that. They knew how to move children safely and efficiently without losing track of them or endangering them. So Operation Pied Piper would build upon the success of Operation Kinder Transport. Kinder Transport saved 10,000 children from strange lands. Operation Pied Piper would save one and a half million native British children. It turns out that when we open our hearts to strangers, we receive the greater blessing. Because a life that is open to loving strangers better is also open to strange new blessings too. Ultimately, strange love is an act of faith because Jesus, who died for us, who had never seen him face to face, calls us to follow him and love others sight unseen too. Learn to love better. Learn to love the stranger You never know what sort of strange, beautiful, better world you and I could be building because of it. If you've listened this far, hopefully we've done something to help make your life a little bit better. Would you mind returning the favor and helping us by subscribing to the podcast through your favorite platform? By sharing with others or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, you help us reach more people. Also, if you want more information about the work I'm doing at Eastland, visit us at eastlandchristians.org or my personal Bible site, biblegrad.com, where you can sign up for daily Bible devotionals called Bible Bites and receive them in your email each morning. Take online Bible classes or find videos that will help you study through the Bible throughout the year. And until next time, remember, you are loved. So go love better. <laughs>